Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. If you joined us last week, then you know that we promised you'd get the second part of talking about the watered down gospel. So without further ado, let's pick up where we left off last time. Here we go. All right, so that was number three, and uh, we got number four here. Number uh, four. We should follow our emotions and experiences over doctrine. Yes. Man, uh, do you want me to go ahead and go? Go for it. You go, You take it. Some people put such a stock on emotion and experiences, and and I don't know if you've heard this, but I mean, this is, this is a common saying right now is follow your heart or even live your truth. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's like a top hashtag on Instagram. You be you. You live your truth, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I had to throw the girl in there. But <laughs> oh. You know, it's a very romantic saying. It sounds good, but it, I'm going to do the claps. It is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I had to do it. Yeah. Um, there you go. If you're looking on Instagram, it's the words and then a clap, word, clap, word, clap. It is wrong. Hashtag ain't right. There you go. That ain't right. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I keep going country. Okay. Following our hearts and emotions can be extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. Emotions can be manipulated and Millions of people and corporations make a lot of money on being really good at it. Uh, Someone once said that they spend their millions so that we'll be manipulated to spend our billions through advertising or through, like I said, manipulation. But when you think about emotions and experiences and follow your heart or live your truth, Jeremiah says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the only one that can know it, he answers in the next verse, is God. And so when we're looking at our heart, we have to know that our feelings are not always truth. And instead, we actually need to question our heart and question our feelings and question our motives. Because emotional experiences can be so deceptive. And in fact... I've seen a lot of people have emotional experiences at different types of church services, Mm -hmm. and it becomes almost like an addiction. Yes. And the sad thing is that emotional highs condition us to believe uh, what we feel when we're happy and, and when we're moved, and then to doubt those things when we have an absence of those feelings. And so you yeah. have an emotional high and you're like, God is so close to me and he's right here with me. And then you go through a time of valley and you're like, God's gone. He abandoned yeah. me. He's he's. He's not even present. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not true at all. Yeah. Because the truth doesn't change. It's not affected by how we feel. And while I'm an emotional person, I, I really am thankful for the emotional experiences I've had where I've experienced God's presence through like a worship service or like a concert or just a time of intimacy. I, I appreciate those emotional experiences. But if I let those drive the ship... Mm-hmm. then I'm going to I'm going to shatter on the rocks, you know. I'm going to I'm going to wreck the boat because those things aren't the compass that we should live by. Truth, God's word doesn't change. That's why we can't follow our emotions or experience over doctrine. That's so true. And you know, we were talking about boxes earlier that people are forced into. The way they're forced into those boxes is through emotions. Mm-hmm. People get their emotions tugged on and they're like, oh, you've got to get in this box. And yeah. that's one way that happens. 
But um, it, one thing that I've realized looking back on my life is that emotions are temporal. Uh, the tough thing about our emotions is that they're very persuasive, like I just said, and people can make permanent decisions based on temporal emotions. Uh, look no further than the temporal emotions that lead to adultery or a spout of anger where words can be said that can't be taken back. Mm. And, um, you know, emotions and experiences are not bad things to use in growing, but they're elementary things. Uh, we remember a physical or emotional pain of something that we, um, you know, we avoid that experience the next time. We remember the pleasure that something gave us and we'll return to it. Uh, these are very elementary things. You might even say animalistic behaviors, which mm. would explain the predicament our society is in. Yeah. But the truth is, if, if we're honest with ourselves, these elementary feelings that we so often base our decisions on always leave us unsatisfied in the end. I know that's certainly something I've discovered, mm -hmm. which is why we should drink from the well that satisfies for eternity rather than the short bursts of satisfactions that fade away. Um, Josh, you've mentioned in the past uh, the law of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what this is all about. That, Like you were saying earlier, uh, God's with me when it's on the high. But um, that we see that with, with drug use. with we, And we even see it with spiritual things. I've yes. seen, I've seen uh, I know at one church that I served at for a few years, uh, one of the people I saw come in, they, you could tell that they were really active in their spiritual experience during worship. And they would go to the back of the church and they would lift their arms up and they would do this flying thing like an eagle across mm -hmm. the back. They just back and forth. And you could tell it was a very emotional thing for them. And it was a high and they thought, oh, this is my new church. And then once it got boring, oh, God's not here anymore. They move on. Yeah. So it's the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. And it's based on emotions. But um, the reason, the reason that the satisfaction fades away is Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And for the unsaved person, uh, the things seen in the Bible, they seem foolish to them. To those who don't have ears, so Jesus would suggest, they do not hear the mysteries of the kingdom of God, nor can they find the satisfaction in being content in all things like Paul talked about. But when a believer reads Revelation 3.18, which says, I advise you, buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed in the eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. When we as believers read these types of scriptures, we recognize immediately that we are a new creation because we can see now. Mm -hmm. uh, we remember our old nature before being saved. And if we had read that scripture before being saved, we would have scoffed at that truth. What do you mean, eye salve? I see just <laughs> fine. Yeah. Uh, but as someone who is now developing the very mind of Christ, as taught in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we see that the difference is night and day between our emotions and God's truth. And that's that's a major, major thing that I've noticed as, as I've gotten older and looked back at myself and and observe those around me too. Yeah, I just I, I think we it's important to point out that Jesus displayed a ton of emotions while he was on earth. He was angry, he was happy, he laughed, he 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 cried. Jesus wept, you know, a lot of people have that verse memorized cuz it's yeah. the easiest one too. You know, yeah. but um 
emotions aren't wrong. Again, they're not wrong. It's just leaning into them and letting them lead are. Yeah. And I know of um, movements where I've heard of people that they go in there and the lights are, are, you know, they have the flashing movement and the pastor kind of does the whole, I'm going to whip you into a frenzy. And, and those aren't necessarily bad things, but yeah. I remember experiencing a person who went to a few weeks in a row and that third time or fourth time they came out, they were like, well, it just wasn't as good this time. <laughs> and that is a scary thought. And yeah. and I know churches that, again, to swing the pendulum on the other way, they actually don't have colored lights in their church. They don't have, you know, they don't drop the lights down during worship. They want to make sure that the, the experience is almost... Um, lacking in all emotion because they want it to be as real as possible. And I think they're not necessarily a danger there, but I I feel like they might be missing an element of connection. And so this is, again, one of those snake birdie things where emotions aren't bad, just letting them lead are. So because God gave it to us. And that's, that's a great point you bring up. There's, there's been times in the past um, that I wish things would get simplified to nothing Mm -hmm. so that people, you could see who was sincere and not. Yes. Because I I was a part of a small group once and it just, every time they wanted to do something more extravagant and so the spirit would fall harder (laughs) is the exact words you used. And I was like, that's, that's not how this works. No. Yeah. Yeah. The only time you should listen to your emotions is listen to your heart when he's calling to you Josh <laughs> that's I just want to leave leave with that that's the only time <laughs> there's nothing else you can do uh, I don't know where you're going okay sorry. I wasn't going anywhere that yeah. was that was the ending <laughs> before I tell you goodbye I'm, I'm, I'm singing the head I'm the, sorry I'm singing the song in my head every time every time we talk about emotions that song comes in my head that's funny oh my goodness <laughs> alright guys we got the point across so we're gonna move to number five yeah um, health wealth and happiness are our rights as Christians oh goodness is it true Josh no <laughs> it's watered down it's on the list isn't it it is yeah <laughs> it's right here number five it can't be true you know i don't know where this comes from other than maybe um wishful thinking mm-hmm. or maybe entitlement or maybe it's just a lack of understanding what jesus really said when he gave us the bible mm-hmm. but i went a bunch of different directions with this so i'm going to present a few if you don't mind yeah take it first and foremost um I know this is not extremely common, but there is a teaching out there that said if Jesus was here in modern times, he'd be wealthy. He might drive a Cadillac, you know, some of those things. Mm -hmm. And I want to establish that Jesus was not wealthy in his day, nor would he be wealthy necessarily in our day, because I feel like if we were doing the modern equivalent. And, And one of the verses that establishes that Jesus wasn't wealthy is Luke 9, 58, where, uh, Jesus says, um, I'll I'll go one verse back. It says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him in verse 58, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And Jesus is like, Dude, at this point, I'm homeless. Yeah. And, And that was a choice. He had worked and he had he'd had a trade until he went into ministry. And then virtually he couch surfed for a few years. And and this was all so that he could go around and he could teach and he had his disciples and they stayed at various people's houses. Um, we see that Peter's wife's mom's house became a hub at times or just various people that they would run into. But Jesus 
he wasn't about material wealth. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, lay up treasures in heaven. And then he goes on later to say, where your treasure is, there also your heart will be. Mm. And so he was very, very direct on like, hey, it's not about health, wealth, and happiness. Yeah. It's about following me. And I want to just say this because people can read the Proverbs and Proverbs can give at times um, a different picture of this where it's like, well, you know, if you save, you're going to be rich. I'm and, so glad you're bringing this up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Because this okay. is a pet peeve of mine. Okay. Uh, do you have anything to say? I have nothing okay. on it, okay. but okay. I'm glad you're bringing okay. it up. Okay. <laughs> well, Proverbs, first and foremost, my wife and I have been reading one every single day this, this month. Because there's one for every day. Exactly. <laughs> and, and there's so many times where we laugh because he's talking about either the fool or the king. Yeah. And I laugh because in my mind, knowing contextually who wrote this, it's King Solomon. And so he's like, write this down. I just had a kingly thought. And so yeah. he's like, you know, don't it's like he saw somebody eating his yogurt and he's like, by the way, don't sit up by the king and eat his yogurt. You know? <laughs> and so I'm sorry. I don't know where that, that... picture has got me cracking up. <laughs> he's sitting there like looking across the courtyard. And he's like, look at that lazy sluggard slave of mine. Exactly. Watch this. <laughs> Scribe. Come hither. I have a proverb. <laughs> So, Proverbs are, they're... <laughs> Dude, that just got me rolling. <laughs> they're, they're not promises like other portions of Scripture. They're wisdom text. And instead of being promises, they're meant to teach us to learn how to navigate complex situations in life. They show us how life works. Yes. And so we can't necessarily take Proverbs as promises. And and I know that's happened in the past, and we got to be careful on some of those things. Can I give an example? Please. So there's, and I don't even, like I said, I don't have anything on this, so I don't have it prepared. But the, the proverb that says, teach a, a child the way you should go when they're young, and when they're old, they'll follow in it. Yes. Paraphrased. Um, we know that doesn't always happen. No. And there, I know some very righteous, uh, as far God knows the heart, but I, I know some very godly people that this has not worked that way. Yeah. And like you said, it's they're not promises. They are, um, they're kingly proverbs that are generalizations, mm-hmm. um, uh, general guidelines. I guess, you know, I, it's hard for me to title it. I didn't even prepare for it. But. Navigate complex situations in life. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's a very important point. Yeah. And don't steal the king's yogurt. Yeah, <laughs> no. Scribe. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> okay. And then um, we, we know that there's some common prosperity verses that out of context seem like they have this health, wealth, and happiness connotation. One of my favorite is in the book of Third John. It's that tiny postcard that John sent off about Gaius, Demetrius, and I think, uh, oh, I can't even think of the third guy's name, but he's awesome. Um, but he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And man, I have heard this verse pointed to as, yep, that's it. That's what God wants you to do. Claim it. <laughs> and, you know, and, and again, our understanding of what God wants for us in, our, in terms of our best life now and what, what we think is our best life now, not always the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, for me to say, Stephen, I hope 
that financially you're doing okay and that you're healthy is not me going, God meant for you to be wealthy and and happy and completely yeah. whole. Yeah. And and I, I'm fixing to say a few things too and saying agreeing with Josh. And I do want to say that, that there are there is sometimes that God does choose to bless people with wealth because for whatever reason God sees fit. Yes. Because they'll use it properly. Uh, they're good stewards with money um, for the kingdom or whatever. Sometimes that does happen. Mm-hmm. But um, that is nothing to base this all on. Yes. So that, that's, anyway, sorry, uh, keep on going. A couple more. Yeah. Um, I, I love this verse because um, I, I recently heard it in terms of uh, acquiring a jet for a ministry. <laughs> it's Isaiah sixty five twenty four, And it says, I will, I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. And man, does that sound like a cool verse to quote. Yeah. Like God knows what you need before you even ask for it. And while you're asking for it, he's already on the move because you need it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome verse. Now, when you look at it in its context, did you know that right here, Isaiah is prophesying about the glorious new creation? Like, here's how this section of scripture begins in verse 17 of 65. He says, look, I am creating a new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. This is not a now verse. This is a coming soon in the future verse. Yeah. And yet they use that. Yeah. And so even Matthew 16, 24 through 27, Jesus says, when it comes to healthy, wealthy, and wise, you know what he says in regards to it? He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it for a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Then he will reward each according to his own work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Josh just laid it out pretty clearly, guys. The Bible doesn't teach that type of doctrine. Um, Sometimes people are blessed with it, but it doesn't teach it. It's not the evidence of God's blessing upon you. Um, I I think of one phrase that I heard a lot growing up, which was, if you work hard, God will bless you. Mm. And um, that's really more of a worldly statement than biblical, because uh, working hard naturally results in reward. (laughs) But it's kind of the law of attraction concept. It's not even biblical. But as the years have passed, I've really grown to hate these assumptions about God's word. Because... People, I think a lot of times they get handed these cute slogans, acronyms, and impressive turns of phrase, and they just regurgitate them. Mm -hmm. A preacher says it over and over and over and claim it, claim it, claim it, and visualize and all of this stuff. And they're they're life coaches. They're not pastors. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I know that hate is a strong word, but I've grown to hate these assumptions about God's word. Because people will go on to preach these regurgitated um, turn of phrase that they hear, and they they preach it as gospel truth. Never check it against God's word, which is readily available mm-hmm. to all of us. Yeah, uh, unless you're in China, you know, <laughs> in which they're not hearing that gospel anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, maybe some are. I don't know. But this health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is nothing more than a repeated incantation that serves as a false sense of security. Uh, A pastor by the name of Paul Washer said this, 
I literally have to restrain myself when I hear somebody say, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, and then point to their Mercedes. The Lord will provide what? A ram? An offering? A sacrifice on that mount he has provided, Christ. And man, that hits home for me so hard because I feel the same way. All throughout the Old Testament, we see these scenes where false prophets tried to push this idea because they had the law and, and they assumed God was to obligated to bless them. Uh, Jeremiah 8, 8 says, How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? But behold, the lying pen of the scribes has made it into a lie. Wow. And that's what we're seeing. We're, we're seeing false prophets designing this lie. And yet we still have Christians today who equate material blessings with God's favor, using scripture out of context, like Josh pointed out, to promote a false gospel. And um, like I said, some people are blessed. God chooses to do that. But just know that if you're abiding in Christ, whatever position you find yourself in, Christian, it's for a reason. Whether it's wealth or tortured in a prison, you are there for a reason. Obviously, things can fall into natural consequences if bad decisions are made, but guaranteed health, wealth, and prosperity are not something you're going to find in Scripture. Perhaps in a sermon, but you're not going to find it in the Bible. Yeah. And that's, that's my two cents on that. No. And that's right. all I have to say about that. <laughs> You're right. Well, okay, I have to ask, because I was trying to remember, it was in a recent um, episode that we recorded, but you were talking about the person who actually has no hardship. And then you kind of said, well, maybe we need to look and see if they're even in the faith. Exactly. That's true. That was a, a pastor that told me a story about someone who they were like, uh, they were living a, a life that is clearly taught against in yeah. Scripture. And they said, I've never been more blessed in my life. Yeah. And the truth is, God, He prunes and disciplines those that He loves. Yes. If you're not being pruned and disciplined, there's something that could be said there. Yeah, and I believe that God does financially bless people at times. I also believe that sometimes God allows us to go through those circumstances where our faith does grow, saying, I don't know where the next meal is going to come from. Yeah. Or, you know, he grows our faith through saying, hey, am I going to trust him for bread? Yeah. Um, you know, as I was thinking about that situation with that person that had everything, it made me think of Psalm 73 with Asaph. And uh, it's that, that psalm that speaks of why do the wicked seem to have so much providence, health, wealth, and happiness, all the stuff. And it's like the author is writing in his own journal or he's hearing his inner monologue in his head. And he's just, I, I taught it one time where I said he's driving to church on a Sunday and he's looking in people's garages and he's like, they have a trampoline, you know, or they yeah. have this really cool car. And, and he said it like this. It's almost like I've lost my mind, my faith, my trust in God because I saw the wicked and how they lived. They don't have the troubles that I do. They don't suffer like I do. They get promotions. They cheat on their taxes. They don't follow their rules. What is going on? And uh, in Psalm 73:11, that's literally a question that he asks out loud. He said, what's going on here? Is God out to lunch? This is the message translation and you're wondering. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. He said, nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have it made, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What's gotten into me? A long run of bad luck. That's what. A slap in the face every time I walk out the door. And and he's just sitting there and he's conflicted because he's like, did I choose the wrong life? 
because the wicked seem to have everything that I ever wanted and I get nothing. But Psalm 73, I love how it ends because it says, if I had given in and talked like this, I would have betrayed your dear children as a pastor. He said, still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache until I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I saw the whole picture, the slippery road you've put them on with a final crash in a ditch of delusions in the blink of an eye disaster, a blind curve in the dark and nightmare. We wake up and rub our eyes, nothing. There's nothing to them. And there never was when I was beleaguered and bitter, totally consumed by envy. I was totally ignorant, a dumb ox in your very presence. I'm still in your presence, but you've taken my hand. You've wisely and tenderly led me. And then you bless me. You're all I want in heaven. You're all I want on earth. When my skin sags and my bones get brittle, which they will, God is my rock and he is faithful. Look, those who left you are falling apart, deserters. They never are going to be heard from again. But I'm in the very presence of God, and how refreshing it is. I've made the Lord God my home. God, I'm telling the world what you do. Mm. You know, we we look and we go, why can't that be mine? Yeah. And yet, I love what Asaph has to say. He goes, those people that have everything but don't have God, then they have nothing. Yeah. And he's like, I should be pitying them. And I should be making sure that I share the gospel with them because... I have God, which means I have everything. And so that is why that is such a, a poisonous part of the watered-down gospel, that we should be healthy, happy, and 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 uh, wealthy at all times. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And that was a great scripture because I think if we're all honest, there's times that we all look at other people and like, Man, they got it made. Yeah. If they don't follow God worth a lick. Exactly. And but but it really comes into focus when God those still moments where God says, Yeah, but think about it. Exactly. Eternity versus yeah. So Yeah, very very well put. So that's number five, guys. Um number six. This is the uh last but not least in our uh collaboration here, and it is God will forgive and save us with a simple prayer without change. Yeah, this is a dangerous Is it true, one. Josh? <laughs> Let's do it again. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's on the list. Yeah. Okay, yeah. This is one of those topics. It's, it's become so distorted that it, it's it's become a snakebird topic. Um, like some of these other topics, I get confused on how people believe these things because if you read the Bible, you'll see that repentance is one of those things that has to happen. Yes. And uh, if you're saved, then your actions, thoughts, decisions will look differently than they were before. And um, just to be clear here, um, some things will stay the same. If you had certain hobbies before being saved, you'll likely still be interested in those things. If you struggled with certain things before, you'll still likely have tendencies to lean towards that. But you should experience a priority change, a thought change, change in actions, and then the new creation starts to really develop its roots after that. Yeah. So um, there's a lot out there that have this idea that they are secure. And they I've seen some that have a lot of confidence that they're secure. Mm-hmm. And from what I see, they're not. I can't read their heart, but they're not. Yeah. From what I see. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, what, what do you got on this, Josh? I've got a few things, a few things to say on it. Yeah, and I okay, so this one I really am conflicted on at times because I know that maybe some pastors' hearts are to try to get as many people out there to 
pray this prayer as as much as you can. Yeah. And I understand that 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 sinner's prayer that we talk about can be that catalyst to faith, and it can be that um, like Romans ten nine says that confessing of the mouth and belief in the heart that actually you know leads unto salvation. Yeah. But. Um, some people treat it like it's almost like this mythical incantation of salvation. And I've said it and I said it out loud and then I can just walk away. Yeah. And that's a scary thought because it, without understanding that, like you said, repentance, I've, I say this all the time that if your faith hasn't changed you, then your faith hasn't saved you. Yeah. And so we are a new creation in Christ. That's what, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And I appreciate what you just said. Your hobbies aren't going to change. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your interests may not change, except, you know, unless they were kind of unless they were, towards... Yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah, sinful things. But yeah. who you are is going to become new in the way that you interact, the way that you treat your spouse, your family, mm-hmm. your job. You know, you're it's all going to change because of Jesus moving in and through you. Yeah. And it's so funny because we talk about, um, Ephesians two, nine for by grace, you have been saved through faith. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way that we can be saved is through grace. But then you have these twin truths that are intention of one another, because then you have James two nineteen that says, Oh, foolish man. Did you not know that faith without works is dead? Yeah, because that's that's what I had next in my notes actually, oh, okay. and it, it honestly it irritates me that certain seasoned believers who have studied the Bible for decades will try to get people to fit into one of the two boxes, faith or works. Mm-hmm. Faith and works are meant to flow in unison yes. together. They're not meant to be apart. And I think part of the problem is when people want to argue who is producing the works, God or us. Because in the, in the answer is both. Mm-hmm. But um, honestly, that's a whole other episode when we discuss Calvinism versus Arminianism, which is a frustrating <laughs> argument at yes. its roots anyway. Exactly. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, the faith and works um, dichotomy. It's back and forth. This uh, the, the push and pull, the it, ebb and flow. Exactly, exactly. And they work in unison. I don't get why people try to make you choose these things. And it, it's it really it irritates me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it uh, yeah, m- myself as well. Yeah. And one thing, I do want to mention something a second ago, because I, as I heard it, I was like, you know, I want to make sure that every ear that hears the stuff we say is not overlooked or whatever. But we, we said that that your interests won't change unless they were bad. I, I do want to say that sometimes it's not an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I Because I think about my own conversion. First off, I'll say I never said any sinner's prayer in my life. I've never. I've never said any sinner's prayer. But I then had you're a, not safe. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's watered down, brother. Yeah, that's no. uh, sorry, I had to do it. No, the and I've always liked to think of the sinner's prayer is is because one one elder came to me once and said that prayer is not found in the Bible, and it's not. But mm-hmm. the heart change is. It's describing what that is as you're showing somebody for the first time how to talk to God, how to express themselves, saying these things. It's a heart thing, and so um, but but. It's not an overnight change. There's some things that I remember that God, it took him two years to rid me of some of my bad habits because he was patient with me. But it was a progression. It didn't get worse. 
but it did get better. So I do, I do want to mention that if you're listening out there and you're like, well, God hasn't fixed this. And I thought I was. Yeah. You know, oh, no. I want to speak into that, too, just even for a moment, cool. because the moment that we start putting trips on somebody like, well, you have to change this, then you're not actually following what God would have you to do. Yeah. Because it has to be the Holy Spirit that convicts. And, and you know. There is some free will in there, too. Yeah. I mean, if it's the whole confronting a brother. If you see somebody walking in blade and sin, you might come and you might say, hey, this is why you shouldn't do that. But yeah. oftentimes we have to let the Holy Spirit be the one that changes us from the inside out yeah. and not be somebody's personal Holy Spirit and say, you can't do this anymore. Yes. Well, especially in the case where we're talking about addiction, mm-hmm. because there are certain addictions, me being a, a, an, an, an addict before on several different things. There are certain things that just don't change overnight. Sometimes you hear stories of cold turkey, this and that. Um, some things, God, he helps you. It's a process. Mm-hmm. And so for another Christian to say, this has to stop immediately, they they might not understand addiction too. Yeah. Because that, that has sometimes that has to be a process that God does. Well, and I don't like the pigeonholing of, this is how it worked for me, so it has to be the way exactly. that you do it. Exactly. We're all wired a little differently, a little different fingerprints. Yeah, so. and as long as it's not extra biblical or outside of what scripture would say, then we have to let God work and move. Mm. Yes, absolutely. You shouldn't, you should never have peace doing what you're doing, but it will be a process mm-hmm. that God slowly rid you of. Well, and we talked about the guy that got saved and he said, Jesus is, he used an explicitive awesome, yes. you know, yeah. blanking awesome. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I was like, he is. And for a moment there, mm-hmm. I cringed because I wanted to correct him. But I knew that it was going to be God that would, yeah. you know, work through that and be like, oh, you know, but it was like the next day he had, he had received salvation the day before yeah. and he prayed a prayer. So he would, no, I'm just, <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not anti-sinner's prayer. I just, I am anti people praying that and then believing they're saved Yeah, because we know James says, even the demons believe yes. and tremble. And remember, guys, anything, anything else is strange fire. Mm -hmm. We discussed that in that last episode. Because when you pull from another source, whether it be a prayer, baptism, um, uh, being American, whatever it may be, that is strange fire. If you were coming to God saying, this is what grants me, you know, I offer this as my sacrifice. The only sacrifice you offer God is the blood of Christ. A priest prayed over me. Yeah. You know. I've heard that before, and yeah. that's that's a weird one. And yeah. you're like, okay, well, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I'll turn it back to you. Sorry, I went on a, on a pedestal there. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I I appreciate the way you were going. Yeah, I you know I came to this verse, and I just I love it talking about repentance because it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance and it's going to be him working in and through our lives that shows that change. And it's, it's the whole, we talked about this when root for the fruit, it's not something that we do, you know, it's not like, Oh, I've got to produce something, but it's actually natural that happens as you're walking with Jesus. Yeah. And you know, if, if you're serious listener about wanting to truly know God, maybe you don't know God. Um, the best place to start, I think, one of the best scriptures to start at is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, where Jesus says to you, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, that last part, I know we were talking about life on easy street mm-hmm. as a Christian, but th- that that yoke easy and burden light concept is 
That is speaking to the fact that we don't have to do any sweat of the brow work. Mm -hmm. That's the easiness of it. He did that for us. That's the easy that it's talking about. Yeah, yeah we're we're gonna run into to hard times as Christians, but that's the easy that 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 is on our behalf. Well, I love the contextual nature of that statement. A yoke was a piece of wood that was used to bind two uh, cows or bulls or whatever together to pull um, a wagon for. Uh, the purpose of sowing or the purpose of gardening, plowing a field, plowing a field. Yeah. there you go. I was like, I'm not a farmer, but, but I it love showed. it. <laughs> exactly. No, I love it. But I love the fact that when Jesus says you're, he's putting his yoke, it means you're paired with him. And he said, I do all the work. That's true. Yeah. And so, great point. yeah, we're not saying life will be easy, but he's saying my yoke is easy when you're paired with me. Yeah. He should be driving. Jesus, Yeah, he takes the wheel. <laughs> Josh, you didn't know the mechanics of farming. Don't try to talk it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, play, right. I'm playing. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, it's like when Jesus said, for man, it is impossible. Mm-hmm. But for him, he's the one pulling the load. It is possible. Yes. So, yeah, yeah perfect. <laughs> I was joking, listener. No. Just that sounded mean. <laughs> oh, not, but not to make light of this, listener. It's... um. It's something that God, if this is something that you desire, first off, you should know that God desires it first. And he is knocking at the door, even now waiting for you to respond. Um, and, and I would encourage you to remember that we're not promised tomorrow. Yeah. Once we expire, it's too late. Yeah. And so three verses I, I would encourage you to go look at. And I'm not going to read them for you because I want you to go get a Bible and look at them. Um, if you're serious about this, you'll do that. And um, one is what I just did read to you, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, then Romans 10, 9, then Acts 2, 37 through 39. I'll say that again, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Romans 10, verse 9, and Acts 2, 37 through 39. And if you honestly act upon these promises from God, then you'll experience the greatest joy and change in your life that will last for eternity. And um, remember, this joy and peace is internal. We might not get the greatest life here on earth, but knowing our destination is all we need to strive for. Because when we strive for that, then the pains of this world will look joyful because they are temporal. Mm. And that's, that's my, if you get anything from this uh, on my end, it would be that. Yeah, and I want to just say, I know we joke a lot and we laughed uh, about my mispronunciations or my lack of understanding and farming knowledge, but when it comes to Watering Down Gospel, we brought this one up because we believe that, um, first of all, if you're a Christian, then you should be nodding your head in agreement that this is a dangerous doctrine out there, Mm -hmm. is that someone out there could believe that they are saved um, having prayed a prayer or having been led in some form of um, belief that they are in the kingdom. But you have that person and then the second person listening, hopefully that if you're listening and you're you're doing some self-reflection and you're like, hey, I believe that I received Jesus into my life, but nothing's changed, then we're recording this for you going, hey, do a heart check. See if you're in the kingdom. See, you know, test um, yourself to see if, if your salvation is real. Yeah. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I was trying to think of that verse. And what that means is like, 
are you in the kingdom? Has God changed your life? Yeah. And if, if the truth is, then he hasn't, it's not too late. Yeah. Then go find somebody that you trust and talk to them and, and plug into that church because he cares about you. He does want to forgive you and he does want your life to change. Yeah. And, and, and I would say too, you know, if you've tried this before, quote unquote, and it didn't work, um, I, I've been in that situation too. And it's because I wasn't really serious about it. I would love to say that um, if you're serious about this, and this is this has eternal ramifications. If you're serious, do what Josh just said. I mean, this is we're talking about eternity here, and so uh, when you come to God and you're serious, you won't experience that last time that didn't take quote unquote. Mm-hmm. If you're serious, you will feel the spirit of God. And I don't know, I'm not going to tell you the spirit of God's going to light your head on fire or anything like that because it happens different for all of us, but you will feel a very real change in you. God will meet you where you're at if you're serious. So I encourage you so much because there is this a whole reason this podcast exists. It's yeah, we have fun and we we get into different topics, but there's nothing more important than that. Yeah, and reach out to us because we want to surround you with a community of support and we'd love to help you in that journey. So this is not a plug. This is saying, hey, you need to connect with somebody who's going to pray for you and who's going to disciple you. And if we can help in that process, then please let us in. Absolutely. Yeah. Contact us. We say go find a church. Contact us. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you are confused about any of this, we, I tell you what, if you contact us, not only will we, we sit with you as long as it takes for you to understand this, we will also do research for the best place for you to go. If you say you live in a different state or something, we will help you. We desire to do that because that's why we, we do the Snakebird podcast. Exactly. So I, yeah, great, great point, Josh. But um, if that's you, man, reach out to us. Reach out to us and let, it, let us know if we missed something on this list that you think is an important one too we'll hit it on another episode come down the pike you know that's right yeah so how can they reach us josh okay they can reach us through uh email you can uh email us at connect at basnakebird.com or you can uh connect with us through our facebook and um please send us a message we'll we'll hit you back as soon as possible yeah and if, if we're doing any good out there and you feel God calling you to do so, please um, give us a good rating or review if you could. It, it really helps push the podcast out there. It's not about numbers. It's about ears hearing. So um, if you could do that, it would really help. We would encourage that if we are deemed worthy. Yeah. And I'm going to say one last clothing statement just because I know we, we rushed into this and we've already been going for almost an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> Um, when it comes to watered down gospel, more than ever, we have to be Bereans, snake birds, fact checkers, Bible searching believers. Don't base your acceptance of beliefs on the size of the church, large or small, because sometimes big churches and entire movements can have a huge uh, following just because of watered down gospel. And then other times churches that are small might have that as well. And size isn't always an indication of a healthy church. Instead, we want to remember what Jesus said, and and he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And we need to die to ourselves. And and that's the great paradox. Christianity is simple but complex. Jesus' burden is easy, but following him is hard, and it takes perseverance and dedication and devotion. So please, Christian, don't let watered-down gospel into your ears, into your life. 
may be hard, but the peace is worth it. That's right. So, yeah, that's all we have to say. Always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time not to drink the watered-down Kool-Aid. And to follow the words of Jesus (laughs) and and be a snake bird. bird.